little blessed because I have been in the same profession all the years of my work and I never wanted to change my professions. I feel so sorry for the young people, you know, who go through different careers, change professions a couple times, three, four times sometimes. I was truly inspired and blessed to choose a profession that I was happy till the day I retired. I did not want to leave, but I thought, well, my students are coming to teach here too. I think it's time to go. <laughs> so that's how I left. Um, I decided I wanted to teach when I was in first grade. And it, I was inspired by a teacher. My first grade was in five different schools in two different countries. But one of the teachers I admired very much. She had two children, a boy and a girl. They were, one was in college, one was in high school, I believe, at the time. And she was just a very loving person. I was a child who had lost her mother during the war years. My father was arrested, so I was living with my aunt, and I truly needed someone who recognized what a waif I was. And this woman gave me a picture. Well, it wasn't really a picture. It was a little glass stand with a little uh, frame in where it was the Blessed Mary was attached in it. And in front it was all in blue color, the glass. And in front there was on a little wire, a little flower. Just like a tiny little altar. That was the biggest gift I had received in such a long time. And I was cherishing that so much that through all the years, through all the war years, that's World War II, I'm old. Um, I carried with me, you know, that, that was it. Eventually, somewhere or other, it was lost or broken, I don't know which. But anyway, she inspired me and I wanted to be a teacher. I wanted to be just like her. I wanted to have a boy and I wanted to have a girl. Uh, and I was going to name them the same names that she had. The boy's name was Faust. Well, thank God I didn't name my son's Faust. <laughs> but I did wind up with two children, a boy and a girl. Um, I had to go out of my way and adopt them. I didn't have any. But anyway. And obviously, as I grew up and so forth, you know, teaching was something always in the back of my mind. But I had dreams about doing other things too as well. Oh, I, I thought I went to the Art Institute, I thought I went to be a fashion designer, uh, I took foreign trade classes because I thought that would give me an opportunity to travel. But eventually I thought, no, I think this is what I really want to do and I wound up teaching. And I never regret it. I was so happy doing what I knew I was inspired to do by the Almighty God. And, uh, you know, I felt such joy. I never waited for the school year to end because I always felt if I could have two more weeks, I would get so much more done. And I was always looking forward for the school year to start. 
did not always teach in ideal situations or in top-notch schools as I did at St. Paul. I started teaching in, well, close to Cabrini Green, uh, Robert Taylor Holmes, in fact. But I also taught in Hyde Park, you know, where many of my students were, University of Chicago professors, children. Uh, I taught in South Shore, Beverly, many different places. But anyway, in each place where I taught, I found that the children basically were alike. They all had something to say to me. And I learned that if I really listened to them, I would learn something from them as well. It was very important that I would validate each child. And I think where it really paid off to me was I was teaching in Chicago and I had a group of students. These were third graders. Um, just a very, very low average group of kids. Enchanting children. One of the students by the name of Marilyn was a girl who was just barely making in a class. She had been tested several different times. The mother was very concerned about this child. She wanted her to be placed in a special educational classes, but she always scored one or two points above the required minimum. So she always wound up in regular classes, but Marilyn tried extremely hard. Obviously her parents were very helpful to her. She always came, she never missed any classes. She always tried to do her homework the very best way she could. She, her little hand would go up for anything, whether she knew dance or not. She tried very hard. And it was very important for me that I would accept this child as I did everyone else and really encourage her as much as I could as everybody else. At the end of the school year, and we had established a very good rapport in a class, I was given the opportunity to send two of my students to summer school. One, I had no choice it, because it felt certain qualifications the child had to go to, that was automatic. But then I could choose one particular one. Well, you know, there's a chance somebody can go to summer school. Everybody says, I want to go, I want to go, I want to go. Well, you know, how do you choose one out of so many? And, you know, they have to know that somebody <coughs> can go, but only one. So we talked about it. I said, well, you know, somebody who really is deserving should go. What do you think? Someone who tries very hard, who is always in school, never misses anything, tries to be very good, and so on. So now think about it. Think about it very, very carefully and see who is the most deserving in this class to go. And I tell you, I shut my eyes. And I said, please choose Marilyn. You know? <laughs> <laughs> she really should go. You 
note was unanimous. They all said Marilyn should go. Um, that was the best that happened to me that whole year and many other years. And I think really the Holy Spirit was there with these children. They weren't Catholic. You know, it wasn't there. It didn't matter to God as it didn't matter to me. That's the story of Marilyn. She went on. Of course, unfortunately, I was not there much longer. I had to leave. I had to go to another school. But through all the years of my teaching, I think what was the most important thing for me to realize was that you have to be very honest with children, as you have to be with adults, obviously, but especially with children, because you can never, ever fool them. Adults you may fool once, you may fool them twice. Children you can never fool. They know it. I had many weaknesses. I cannot spell English. I mean, I'm a terrible speller. And even the little kids, you know, before I came and started teaching junior high or later on in college, they would say, Mrs. Weitzel, how do you spell this? And I say, well, you know, let's look in a dictionary, I don't know. They were convinced, they were convinced that I just wanted them to use the dictionary. And I would say, I really don't know how to spell. And it took them a long time to realize that I wasn't lying. That truly I did not know how to spell. And um, I know one time someone came in a class, one of the, some to visit, visitor class. And again, talking about it and talking to the children and so on and one child raised his hand and said and don't ask her how to spell anything <laughs> she doesn't know how <laughs> but it wasn't done in a mean way it was really done in a very protective way <laughs> she's okay but she cannot spell <laughs> this is the thing and you know it's it, it really is a wonderful thing you know when you can win the trust of the of the students. And later on, you know, I worked in administration. And it's the same thing as working with adults, as working with the children. You have to be open to them and you must listen to them. I know there were times when I just wanted to shut my office to and say, please don't come in. Do not come in. I know what you're going to tell me. It's going to be another complaint. But you know, as I would listen, I would learn from them. Whether it was an adult complaining, whether it was a parent complaining about a teacher, you always picked up something of value. And that is so important. I know I should have more time to talk and so on, but you know, I could talk about teaching forever and you will be bored <laughs> because there are just too many stories about, you know, good things and bad things about teaching. But above all, what I wanted to say is that it is a very humbling experience and, and you really have to be very grateful when you realize that you are making somebody else happy. Whether you're making them happy because they learned something and acquired some knowledge or whether you're making them happy because you listen to them and you sympathize with them. Just by going out of your way a tiny little bit, you can get so much done and you can make people so happy about it. Uh, 
just want to say another little thing that happened to me years ago. I was teaching in a class that was really sort of given to me as a present because the particular school I went to teach, they got me under false pretenses. I said I would never ever teach first grade again because it is the most difficult grade to teach of all. And they told me I would never have to teach first grade. So I arrived at the school in September. I opened my desk and there are the files of all the students and they're all first grade. I said, oh, mistake. So I ran to the office and I said, you know, I have the wrong students in my files. The principal looked at me and said, no, Mrs. Weitzel, this is what you're going to teach. And I said, but I told you, he said, yeah, I know, but I said, I'll, I'll make it up to you, but please. So I wound up teaching this first grade class. So the following year, I had sort of the pick, the cream of the crop from the school, teaching third grade. And it was one of those fabulous years where I think in any profession, whether it's teaching profession or whatever you are, engineering, whatever, you should have at least one year where it just, everything falls in right. And these were extremely bright children. Uh, but we had tests, for instance, test scores at the end of the school year. Most of my students read at 7th and 8th grade by the time they were in 3rd grade. Bright. You know, we read so many different things. Anyway, one time we decided that we're going to write a little research. And uh, we had gone to see the Museum of Science and Industry, the Christmas trees, you know, and all the different nationalities represented there. And we thought, we'll write something about the different nationalities that are represented in our classroom. There were a total of 14 different groups represented. So I made our tickets and everybody drew a ticket in whatever country they chose. They, they picked the num number, that's the country they wrote about. And they had objectives to do. They had to find out where the country is and which continent. Simple things. The capital, are there mountains, are there rivers, what are the main rivers, what are the people occupying and primarily whether it's an agricultural country, industrial, whatever. And you have to have two resources. A parent could be, or could put one resource, another resource could be a book. Well, I had started to read these reports. The children were very involved because at the end of each report, you know, the questions, did they answer all these questions that were supposed to be answered? And the children critiqued themselves and asked questions. They're very happy. We read these reports the whole morning. You know, usually you, you, know, you read for 20 minutes something, they want to do something else. But this was very exciting. One little boy wrote about China. He was so excited about it. He had bibliography and he had footnotes on his paper. And he read his report and he finished reading it and he jumped up and down. He said, oh, it's so good, it's so good, can I read it again? <laughs> he was so excited about it. And just at that time, there was a knock on our door and another teacher was selling popcorn to raise some money for whatever it is. And the students were absolutely appalled. They said, 
don't interrupt us. There's learning going on here. <laughs> and they made a sign, and we put it on a door on the outside. Do not enter. They are studying. <laughs> so these are the, the good, wonderful things, you know, that come to you. I, there were other times, you know, when I went to Cabrini Green and, you know, was a different story, you know, where you walk in and you, you were greeted as with a swear words. I will not repeat it because it's a church here. Okay. But but they too learn. They too learn that it's okay. It's okay to be different. And it's okay not to know things because it's so much fun to find out about other things and the way people live in other as I said before, I've been very, very fortunate in my career. I enjoy doing administrative work as well, not only here at St. Paul, but after I retired from St. Paul, I went to teach in uh, public schools in the suburbs as assistant principal. But it's been such a wonderful experience. And I can only wish to all of you that you would be in a career or encourage someone to find a career that will bring joy and satisfaction all their lives. I'd like to finish with just a little quote from Carl Sandburg, and he said, There is only one man in the world, and his name is all men. And there is only one woman in the world, and her name is all women. And there is only one child. Its name is Old Children. Thank you. Uh, could you, um, you had, when, when we got together, you talked about how important it is to accept, um, accept God's will for us. Does that ring a bell for oh, you? Yes. Can you uh, share your, just a short thought about that? Um, At different times, it's come to me this way. <clears throat> After I stopped teaching in Chicago, I, when my daughter was born, um, and later I had my master's degree and I went to go back to work, and I was looking for a job. I could not go back to teach in the city because we lived in Park Ridge, and, and that was off-limits, you know, if you live, live in the suburbs, you could not teach in a city. So I was looking for a job. And I was uh, accepted to teach in one Catholic school. And I thought to myself, dear Lord, it's in the basement. I'm going to go crazy sitting in that basement, because that's where the classroom was. And, and I didn't take the job. Another place where I went to the job, they didn't hire me. So I was kind of disappointed. But then my mother broke her pelvis bone. And I'm sorry, broke her hip. Pelvis bone was before. She broke her hip. And I could not work. I had to be with her because she did not speak English and she needed therapy afterwards and so on. And I had to go to the hospital every day with her. So I thought, God, 
this is really God's done. You know, God did it for me. He gave me the brains not to take the job in the basement. And these wonderful people knew better than to hire me. And I was without a job. Now, isn't that wonderful? My mother needed me more than, you know, anybody else did. So, you know, God works in mysterious ways sometimes. You don't know. And even that teacher, you know, who gave me the little gift of the Blessed Virgin Mary. I, I think that was a miracle. Because it always stayed with me. You have to go and teach. You have to go and teach. She brought so much joy to me by that little present that she gave me. That it's almost like I had to go back and pay for it. And the only way I could do it was by doing the same thing to other people, children. So I think that that was truly God's blessings. So.